got some pretty staggering breaking political news that has come through. Uh, you would have heard in a short time ago that Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern has announced she will resign as Prime Minister no later than February the 7th. So just repeating that, she will be leaving as Prime Minister on February the 7th, which is only a couple of weeks away. So that is a big shock. Uh, similar to what John Key did a few years ago, you'll remember, that was a surprise announcement too. Now, she has said that there will be a general election that will be held on Saturday, October 14th. That was, in fact, the big announcement that everybody was expecting today. Uh, now, so that d- announcement was made a short time ago at the caucus retreat in Napier. Both of the two main political parties are holding their retreats there at the moment. Now, Jacinda Ardern is holding a press conference at the moment. We will try and go to that as soon as we possibly can. But this is a huge uh, shake-up for New Zealand politics. I think most commentators, it is fair to say, had expected that Jacinda Ardern would take the Labour Party uh, to the next election and try and win that. She has decided against making uh, that stand. So she has... Uh, going to finish up on February the 7th, which is which is what? Just under uh, six years as Prime Minister. So that is a pretty major shake-up for New Zealand politics. Now, we're just hoping we will be able to catch up with our political reporters. They are both, we do have political reporters at the caucus retreat uh, at the moment. But uh, it's just taking a little bit of time to digest this information. If you remember, uh, John Key also announced about a year out from the election uh, some years ago now that he wouldn't stand. That was a big surprise at the time. Nobody really saw that coming either. So it does raise the question then of who will be the potential leader of the Labour Party. We're not sure yet as to whether they will host some sort of uh, contest, but our political deputy political editor, Craig McCulloch, is with us now. Craig, I'm stumbling for words here because this is a big shock. Good afternoon. Yes, an incredible shock. This is not what we were expecting today. We were told that there'd be an announcement and there was a certain degree of secrecy around it. However, we, many of us were picking that it would be the election date. Of course, we did hear the election date at the start of that, but then very quickly the Prime Minister transitioned into announcing her imminent retirement. What a surprise to all of the reporters who were there. She will not be seeking re-election. Uh, she, she intends to step down. Um, there will be a vote in three days' time, she said, on Sunday among the caucus. And if a new leader is elected, she will issue her resignation shortly after. If, a, if agreement can't be reached among the caucus, the leadership will go to the wider membership. But there are some big questions there uh, around why the Prime Minister has decided to step down at this time and who it is that is going to be taking mm. her place. Do you, did she give it any, any indication whether this was for reasons other than... I mean. I know John Key at the time, he, he felt he couldn't win. He felt he'd become, his personal approval ratings would drop to a point where he felt that on balance he thought Bill English might have had a better chance. He wanted to go out on top. What is the sense you're getting from the Prime Minister about why? The Prime Minister said that with this job comes a great deal of responsibility and that you need to know when you're the right person to lead and when you are not. She said, I do not have enough in the tank to do it justice. Um, but that she believes that there are those around her that do. She makes very clear she does. She does not. She's not leaving. She says because she thinks that Labour will not lose. Labour will not win the election. But rather because she she thinks that Labour can win the election. But she's not the right person. Does she to think then carry that she's become t- too much of a divisive figure? Well, I have to imagine that these considerations have to be weighing on her. However, she was very quick when when asked, you know, uh, uh, how how much that has weighed into it to say, look. The reason why it comes down to her ability to know to, to her um, ability to do the job and her confidence in herself to be able to do the job, and not just till the election, but for another term after that, that she does not think that that is going to be the case. She said, "Do not read anything more into this than that." She, she said, "There is no, no no secret reason. There is nothing else going on here. The reason she is stepping down, she says, is because she does not think she's the right person any longer." So who's going to let? Well, let's just we'll get <laughs> who's going to take over. Uh, for the Labour Party, uh, w- will there be a process, do you think? Will this be contested? 
Well, we know that there will be a vote in three days' time. The, the, the caucus will meet. Um, that will happen on Sunday. Uh, the party will have, uh, you know, they won't want this to be a long, protracted, drawn-out affair going into an election year. They, the Prime Minister has talked about needing to reset. I mean, this is about as big a reset as you can get, not just the policies, not just the priorities, but the actual leader. Jacinda Ardern, of course, has been, uh, you know, when she took over, she was immensely popular. There was the Jacinda mania effect, and then in 20. 20, she led the party to uh, uh, one of its best, you know, greatest results, a majority government under MMP never seen before. And so to, to see this change now is quite staggering. Um, who, who could it be that could step, out, uh, step in? And well, take it's got to be Grant place? Robertson Grant, or, or, or uh, Chris Hipkins, right? Chris Hipkins. Th- those would be the two names that immediately come to mind. Grant Robertson, of course, the Deputy Prime Minister, um, would be the most obvious pick to step straight into that role. And I guess it would come down to whether or not he wants that position or whether he too perhaps has been thinking that he doesn't want to carry on for a term. I, I, I would put him as the number one uh, contender Definitely. at the moment, the, mm. the, the favourite for that job. Chris Hipkins is another name that has been talked about in the past as a potential um, uh, leader with um, leadership potential. That's in, in part due to his, his competent um, handling of various portfolios, um, becoming known as sort of the minister for everything um, at various times. So uh, again, you know, how much um, he wants that job will come into place. But like I said before, the Labour Party does not want this to become a long, drawn-out protr- protracted affair. They do not want this to be a, 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 you know, a, a bloody match, and, and I don't think it will be. I, I think that the, the, the fact that there is an election looming will focus their minds, and they will know, that caucus will know, that they need to emerge after Sunday with, mm. with a new leader. Let's just step back here a bit, because this has thrown election year completely up in the air. Even though it was clear that over the last year or so, and partly because of the COVID uh, after-effects that the Prime Minister had become a more polarising Prime Minister. The popularity that she had seen in the early phases, the massive 50% that had gone, it was becoming a much more divisive environment in the in the political sphere. You still would have, if you were to get most political commentators into a room, they would have said that she was still Labour's biggest asset to get re-elected. So this must be a huge blow to Labour's chances of being re-elected. Absolutely. I mean, I I was just running through before her her track record, and and particularly in that 2020 election, her handling of of the pandemic, um, won her plaudits, not only from commentators, but from the public. They delivered her uh, an incredible mandate in 2020. Now, uh, uh, that that um, mandate or, or that Craig, let me just interrupt slipped. you because there's more news just coming through here. I've just got through on our wire service saying Grant Robertson will not be putting himself wow. forward to be Labour's new leader and Prime Minister. So, boy, uh, the big hits keep coming. That is another big bit of news that he's not in the running there. Presumably, he's staying on as finance minister and to see. Uh, with all everything that's going on with the economy, but that then would put, what, the ball in Chris Hipkins? There could be others. Well, that's right. And, and, and I mean, doesn't that just show how much of a moving feast this is and how much Labour are, are, are going to have to be going through the, uh, a, a lot of thinking at the moment? Um, I, I just said that Grant Robertson would be the favourite, and he's ruled himself out. So who does that leave? Yes, Chris Hipkins. I mean, there are, there are other names that might start um, coming forward. Michael Wood has been one that in the past has been talked about as a possibility, um, uh, Kitty Allen, although you might think that she's probably a little bit too fresh. The, the party is going to have to be going through um, a, a lot of grappling and consideration as to who the right person is to lead the party um, into that next election because, uh, I mean, polling already shows that it's going to be incredibly tight. Yes, the edge has been given to National and Act, but... but uh, you know, a lot can change in a, in a few months or several months, as we have seen today. The whole election, the the field has been thrown wide open. Um, National Act, we were just talking before, they will be they will see this as an incredible um, boy. They they will be looking at this as a boon to their chances because although um, Jacinda Ardern has become more polarising in recent times, she's still pretty high in the preferred prime ministerial stake. She's still ahead of. Christopher Luxon. Her approval rating is fairly high. And a very uh, good campaigner. That's the other thing, isn't it? Luxon's untried on the campaign trail. Now, he um, may may be a star. I mean, Bill English turned in the end to be a very good campaigner against uh, Ardern, but uh, untried, whereas Ardern had proven herself as a strong campaigner.
Well, that was one of the um, uh, biggest concerns for National, really, was was how would Christopher Luxon do going up against Jacinda Ardern, battle-hardened, the good debater. She's gone through all that process and the debates and, and you know, the election campaign. She she knows how to run a campaign. And for her to say, say sayonara um, really does change that dynamic. It's no longer going to be, you know, an experienced operator going up against a novice, now you're potentially looking at two novices going head-to-head. And, and if National and ACT are already in the front, that really gives them the advantage. Mm. Hang around, Craig. Uh, we may well come back to you very shortly with this breaking news that Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern will be stepping down as Prime Minister from February the 7th. I'll just repeat that because it is quite... Uh, surprising and unexpected news this morning. This came out of the uh, court this afternoon, the caucus retreat for the Labour Party. We were expecting an election date. Uh, we got that. That was uh, October, was it October the 14th uh, for the election? But we also got this unexpected news that Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern will step down from February the 7th. There will be a vote amongst uh, the Labour Party to decide a new leader. I think it was uh, within a few days' time. And the other bit of big news that has come through, uh, it is a breaking story, as you can imagine, is that Grant Robertson, who many would have thought would be the likely successor, says he will not be putting himself forward for the top job. So that leaves it wide open with perhaps Chris Hipkins' Uh, Kitty Allen, a few names being thrown around there as potential outsiders. Uh, we'll get some more on that uh, now with Shane Tapoe, who's a former candidate, campaign manager and executive member of the Labour Party. Shane, kia ora. Uh, kia ora. Did you see this coming? Uh, you know what? Of course we are all shocked, but I'm not surprised. I just felt a real fatigue from the Prime Minister late last year. Um, she likes to be liked. She likes to get out and amongst the people, and that was not an avenue that's going to be open to her uh, at, at, in this campaign. You know, um, she had a little family holiday. I understand through pretty decent um, sources that she was having some dinner and got some abuse, and you know that just rocks people. And um, you know, Chris, that Christmas break really gives uh, one a time to reflect on what the priorities are in life. You know, a, a, a child going to school, all of these sort of things, I think would have uh, would have played into it. And as she said, she had no, she didn't have enough gas in her tank for another. another do you three do years. you think, Shane? I mean, there's no question that we are in an, uh, an environment locally, globally, but locally, that where the politics is a lot, the extremes are noisy on on both ends of the spectrum. It is divisive at times. We have seen the Prime Minister, no question that her popularity has waned post-COVID. Do you think that would have weighed on the decision? Yes, I think so. A light, but she is the lightning rod. Uh, whoever becomes the, uh, the the Prime Minister will not be uh, such, a, such a lightning rod. And she's made the decision early to give that person uh, as much run as possible. Uh, we've had two shocks today, her resignation. And uh, her heir apparent, probably her mm. preferred heir apparent, um, Robson uh, also. So what do you um, make of that? Because those two are very close. We know that. They, they campaigned for the leadership way back together, the other way around. Um, that he isn't putting his name forward. What does that mean? I mean, that's wide open now, isn't it? It is wide open. And, you know, maybe he's, you know, maybe he's thinking beyond October. Because I think if you do take the job as uh, the leader of the Labour Party, you've got to lead the party into the election and beyond it, come what, come what may. So you might be thinking about that, or while well, he might be thinking of the, the, better, the, the greater good for the party and for the country. It's staggering just to think about this when you step back, because but on February the 8th, we're going to have a new Prime Minister. Whoa. We don't know who it is right now. Mm. Uh, it could be Chris Hipkins. It could be others. Who else could it be? I think I, I, I think it could be Hipkins. I, I would, if I was a betting man, which I am, I'd put him in front. I also would put Michael Woods uh, in, in that calculation. You've got to put you've got to put Kitty Allen. And uh, if you're looking for a fairly solid solid deputy, deputy uh, Carmel Cipollini, I think they will be the players in it. But of course. Um, you know, you could get someone out of, out of left field, but I think those four or five people will be in the machinations. Uh, Mr. Luxon, in the meantime, is probably measuring the drapes. Uh, 
this is a big blow, isn't it? This is a big blow, huge blow, huge blow for Labour's chances of re-election. She was their best chance, even with the declining popularity, wasn't she? Yes, and, you know, I thought that considering all the headwinds that uh, the government and the economy faced um, at the end of 2022 to be nick-nick, it could have been a heck of a lot worse. Um, I think that you'll see a uh, rise in popularity um, uh, in terms of Luxton and and uh, his party. I think the distance um, will uh, be more marked, and I'm not sure whether it could be turned. It will be turned around once it gets away on them. Let's just talk a little bit about the legacy here of Jacinda yeah. Ardern. I mean. She's always going to be remembered for the response to COVID, to the terrorist attacks. The I guess she, I see her quoted today saying, and we'll have some grabs, uh, some clips of her very shortly, uh, in which she talks about wanting to be remembered as kind. Uh, how, it feels too soon, but how do you assess that? Oh, look, I think that history will treat her well. Um, but also, you know, when prime ministers go, it's, it's about a post-prime ministerialship in terms of how people think about them and reflect upon them. I think that history were treated well. She's still very young, got a lot of sort of good 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 time, um, got a lot of good space ahead of her. Um, uh, but, you know, here's the other, here's the other reality. You know, uh, Labour had a 1972 effect at the last election when Kirk sort of, you know, won 40-plus seats. Labour did that at the last election and could be looking at a 75 result, which is a huge turnaround in a short space of time. Here's the other thing, Corin. If she goes and Robertson goes, does that mean that uh, Winston may deal with, with Labour because he said, I won't deal with this Labour? So is a, is a leadership change a different Labour? So all those imaginations... Well, you can... <laughs> Knowing Winston Peters, yeah, you always kind of felt, even though it was fairly unequivocal by his standards, you never you never wrote out the possibility yeah. that there'd be some wriggling on a word somewhere, did you? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, thank you very much, Shane Depoe. Oh, we are just digesting this extraordinary news this morning, extraordinary uh, this afternoon, extraordinary political news that Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern is stepping down. Her last day as Prime Minister will be February the 7th. Let me just see if I can read... Uh, some of the things that are coming through. Uh, I might actually just give you a couple of comments too from Grant Robertson. Now, this is the other part to this. We're talking there with Shane that is extraordinary. He will not be putting himself forward for the leadership of the Labour Party. Uh, He says that in 2014, when he failed to secure the leadership of the party for the second time, he did run a couple of times, that's right. He indicated he would not put himself forward again and his position has not changed. He says that he has worked up close with and seen the extraordinary work that Jacinda Ardern has done as leader and Prime Minister. The level of intensity and commitment required of Prime Minister in order of magnitude is greater than any other role. Uh, he goes on to say what a privilege uh, it has been to work with her. He says it is a privilege to be Minister of Finance too. He recognises that the country is facing a challenging environment uh, and he's committed to running in the 2023 election. So that's the important bit there. So he's still running staying on as finance minister, but not going for the Labour leadership. So there will now be a a vote of some sort in the next few days to find a new leader of the Labour Party and a new Prime Minister of New Zealand. It seems pretty extraordinary that it can happen uh, that quickly. The election has been announced too for October the 14th. So whoever takes over is going to have quite a bit of time Oh, well, a little bit of time to try and turn things around. So, well, or I guess get their feet under the desk and see if they can uh, win the election for Labour. Many would have thought that Jacinda Ardern would have, would have been Labour's biggest asset. Let's talk to a commentator from the right now. Uh, and we've got Liam here who is with us. Liam, can you hear me? Yes, can you hear me all right? Yes, very much so. Heard you this morning talking on Morning Report. We didn't see this coming, did we? And, I mean, we've seen it before with John Key with these surprise resignations. This one, again, is a bolt from the blue. Yeah, I'm sure that it wasn't my comments this morning that made Jacinda decide to resign. Um, But it does really put you in mind of John Key. I remember when John Key resigned so well, it was so similar 
it was a bolt from the blue. Um, there was no sort of indication beforehand. And I remember I was at a lunch, and a, lunch, a Rotary Club lunch, and all of a sudden just this murmuring started to spread from the back of the room. People heard their phones out, and it was just this random thing, and it's just, it's just the same. So she's really followed the template of the Prime Minister, uh, the, sorry, John Key, uh, the, the, uh, the Prime Minister from a few, uh, few, few years ago. And, uh, you know, as with John Key, she's going to uh, sort of uh, surrender office undefeated. Um, and uh, so uh, as a result, her legacy is going to be remembered for her achievements and, uh, and not for um, her uh, final defeat. Yeah, Bearing to... in mind that they all end in defeat eventually. <laughs> That's right. Politics always ends in defeat. Um, looking at her speech and the statement, the line here, she didn't think that she had enough in the tank to do it justice. It's that simple. She's trying to say that it's not a, there's not some other reason there. She just didn't think she could do it. And I guess when you think about towards the end of last year and, and in this sort of post, uh, I don't want to say post-COVID, but obviously the, the rolling effects of COVID have, have certainly make it, made it a very difficult political environment. No doubt. I mean, I think anybody who becomes Prime Minister is going to be exhausted before too long. Look, people are complicated. People never do anything for one reason. There are always multiple reasons uh, for things like this happening. You know, I've always been convinced that John Key looked at the polls in 2015, knew that he was only going to be able to get in with Winston Peter's support, knew that support wouldn't be forthcoming, and, uh, and didn't want to, you know, more than anything or as much as anything else, that was the effort that was going to be required and wasn't willing to do it. And again, you just have to look at the polls now. You've got to look at the high that um, the Prime Minister's coming off. And it's really hard not to draw those parallels. I'm sure that the Prime Minister is exhausted. Uh, but, you know, I think mm. like, it's, hard not to, it's hard not to conclude that she might see things a little bit differently if things are a bit more propitious. Yeah. Uh, let's talk a little bit about what's happening now, because Grant Robertson, that's the other shock news. He's not putting his name forward. He said he doesn't want to do it. He's tried twice to be the leader of the Labour Party. He failed twice a few years ago, doesn't want to have another go. He'll stay as finance minister. He'll stay on if they win. Uh, that leaves the field pretty wide open and names being talked about. Chris Hipkins, uh, Michael Wood, who has certainly been an up-and-comer. Uh, Kitty Allen, I mean, who who do you think is a realistic possibility to be our next Prime Minister on February the 8th? Well, I, I just I just got a text before he called to say, uh, don't discount Megan Woods. It came from my yes. friend Andreas Hauser. That's a really good point. Um, look, I, I think that you've got to, uh, you know, you've got to, you can't count out Nanaima Huda either. I mean, look, this is somebody who's a really senior member. Um, you know, she's a Maori woman. Uh, she's the first, uh, 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 um, uh, maybe has never had a Maori uh, leader. Um, and so, um, you know, she's the senior person of that caucus. So she's got a figure in there somewhere. Um, Kerry Allen brings much of the same to the table, though less experienced. Um, it's, it's interesting to think that Grant Robertson will stick around, um, not as a leader. Um, he's been tied to the hip of, of, of Jacinda Ardern for so long that, you know, it's actually kind of a bit weird to think that somebody wants to come in with a new broom to try things their way is going to have this mm. very senior, very powerful person to contend with. And that's a bit unusual too. It is. Hey, thank you, Liam. We may well come back to you at some point. This is uh, breaking news this afternoon here on Afternoons on uh, RNZ National with this news that politic- uh, Jacinda Ardern, the Prime Minister, will stand down. Her last day, according to her speech, will be no later than the 7th of February. So Labour doesn't have long. They will find a new leader. And it won't be Grant Robertson. Let's talk now to a political scientist, a lecturer in New Zealand politics and public policy, Lara Greaves. Good afternoon, Lara. Good afternoon. What a shocking day. Boy, this is a big one, uh, a big surprise. E- you know, even this morning I heard a, not a lot of commentary from people around the country this morning is sort of getting ready for the year ahead. No one really picked this. No, I wouldn't have picked this either. I thought that it was near impossible, given that Ardern had said that she was definitely going to run. So what is your reaction then? Uh, I mean, it just seems extraordinary to me that these things move so fast. I've been covering politics for many years, but it, you know, it's only going to be a couple of weeks and we're going to be introduced to a new Prime Minister. Yeah, and I think we're going to see a lot of speculation either way about whether she thought she would lose or whatever, but I think we do actually maybe need to take her at face value that she has been stressed, burnt out, can't give it 100%. We've seen Ashley Bloomfield say really similar things, and we know that generally being an MP, being a minister is a hard job, let alone being the Prime Minister and being the crisis Prime Minister at that. Yes, how do you think history will then, ju- I know it's early, to, to judge her tenure? I mean, it's uh, it's nearly six years, isn't it? And obviously... 
the big things stick out, the, the, the crises and the tragedies, and her uh, popularity on the world stage was probably unparalleled for a New Zealand Prime Minister. Yeah, ultimately, I think history will judge her fairly positively. I mean, we had that world-leading COVID response. She's been very empathetic in terms of response to things like the Christchurch terrorist attack. She did try and put her heart into it a lot. And, of course, she was our first woman prime minister to have a baby while in office. So I think that all of those factors are going to lead to us to judge her really fondly in terms of history. I think that this reason for resigning as well will be something, again, that it's just a very, like, I can just see that, like, younger generations of people and the, sort of the next cohorts of prime minister and leader will really respect that as well, that stepping away. And I think that ultimately she's now, what, like, early 40s. So it'll be interesting to see what she does once she gets that rest and really comes back. <laughs> Yes. Now, the do you think this this is clearly a massive blow for Labour's chances? The new Prime Minister is going to have barely, what, eight or nine months to try and establish themselves. They're already on the back foot. She was still their biggest asset? Yeah, look, fundamentally she's just known as a very good communicator and one of the things that we were saying in terms of maybe Lux and not doing so well was going up against Ardern. Ardern, the like very good, very strong campaigner, the very experienced campaigner. So a different leader. We've got to start looking at who could possibly be the leader and there's not anyone that necessarily sticks out the way that when we saw Andrew Little step down in 2017 and see Ardern come into the leadership. We don't necessarily have anyone that could take that role. Maybe Kitty Allen or someone like that could, but there needs to be someone who really connects in that way. And even then, they're going to be less experienced and even less experienced in Luxon in the leadership position. So I think it's a big advantage to National now. Where does this leave the uh, you know the agenda for Labour? I mean, might that change under a new Prime Minister? I mean, I guess it's a bit unclear. I mean, I think the caucus retreat's a good time to step down, right? So they can have those conversations about what their agenda's going to be in this next year. But ultimately, I think no matter what they're doing, the leadership contest and change of leadership and then heading into the campaign is going to be the main focus. So any kind of leftover legislative reforms really will take the back seat. They just have to. They mm. have only limited capacity, isn't there? <laughs> Well, that's right. Um, let's talk about some of the names that are coming through. Uh, so, obviously, Chris Hipkins, who's been a strong performer, a good communicator through the COVID period. Uh, but then you think about the likes of a Michael Wood, who you would probably argue, perhaps some might say more ideological, but more traditional Labour, maybe. Uh, Megan Woods, again, a, a very strong Labour Party, uh, I guess, stalwart type sort of candidate. I mean, what, what do you think? Well, what what really they have to think about is do you want someone who's a safe pair of hands who will lose but not disrespectfully, who will keep the Labour Party stable, or do you want to put it into that less certain pair of hands, that newer person that still needs to build that public profile? Because it depends on what kind of approach they're taking. We've seen political parties in recent years, like Labour after they lost after Clark left, we've seen those parties go through that process of real pain and actually really suffering. We've seen National do this recently, a lot of disunity, low votes, like hitting and to the 20%. So if Labour don't want to see that, then I think a steady pair of hands makes the most sense. Someone who can really maturely hand over those reins and repackage the party for the 2026 election or something along those lines. Whereas if you want to throw someone in and just gamble and see if they can kind of beat Luxon on these current poll numbers as well, I think that that's a bit of a risk. Yes. So who the, so those names I mentioned might be the more of those stable roles because they are exper- got quite a lot of experience. Megan Woods, Chris Hipkins, I I might be forgetting other names, so bring some oh, if yeah. you remember Michael Wood. Chris Hipkins has that meme, remember the spread your legs? That I do. <laughs> you know, he's got that relatability for middle New Zealand. Yes, yeah. yes, he does. Uh, then there are the slightly more, I guess, uh, up-and-coming candidates, and Kitty Allen might be one of those. Mm. Would, are there others there that you could see from a left-field perspective that might come in? No pun intended. Oh, I'm not sure on that, eh? Like, it's, it's, it's hard to know, because it's also hard to know who wants it. And as well, if we've seen, like, if we're looking at Ardern resigning because of the sort of stress and burden over time. If you look at someone like Kitty Allen, she's got young kids, she's had you know, her, her cancer survival story and things along those lines. Everyone's got their own story in that way. So it's really who's up for it as well because it's not exactly an easy job, right? <laughs> no, and one would imagine that obviously Grant Robertson has chosen not to put his name forward, which in, it, in itself is a little bit of a surprise, but he said he's tried it before and doesn't believe that, he, you know, that it's, he wants to do it again. But presumably who he endorses would be pretty significant. Yes, and keeping him in that senior leadership, if he's sticking around, that is, is is quite sensible as well, just to keep that continuity through to the next election along those lines. I think that 
oh, see, this is that thing. We don't study what the, the Labour leadership contention is on a month-to-month basis basis, but they haven't changed the system, have they? So it then goes back to having to get the caucus on board, the members on board and the unions on board. So it isn't just in and of itself that caucus endorsement that's important in all of it. All right, Lara. Well, I suppose, you know, we've had this before. I remember when John Key suddenly uh, announced his resignation, it was a massive bolt out of the blue. This is just as, it's amazing, these things, they don't, it hasn't leaked. But, you know, as a political scientist, in the grand scheme of things, in terms of history, these these are pretty extraordinary sort of days, aren't they? Definitely, and it's starting to set a new precedent that the Prime Minister resigns rather than gets voted out. Lara, thank you very much uh, for your analysis uh, this afternoon. So just repeating that news, if you haven't caught up with it and you're just tuning in uh, this afternoon, Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern has announced she will resign. No later, she will be in office no later than the 7th of February. So that means come the 8th, there will have to be a new Prime Minister, presumably. There is certainly going to be a process. Uh, I think it will, uh, the, vote, the, the caucus vote uh, for a new leader, party leader, will occur in three days' time. There you go, on the 22nd of January. So in, in less than a week, we may well know who the new uh, Prime Minister-elect will be. Some of the names already being mentioned, and forgive me if there are others who I'm not thinking about, but the likes of Megan Woods, Chris Hipkins, Michael Wood, Kitty Allen, uh, Nanaya Mahuta was even mentioned by Liam here as one as well. There will be others, no doubt, and there will be jockeying. Grant Robertson is not one of those names. Let's talk to Morgan Godfrey, our senior lecturer at Otago University. Morgan, good afternoon. Kia ora, Corin. Good afternoon. Uh, this really is one of those surprise uh, moments when you sort of stop and uh, sort of ask the person who told you whether it's true, really. Uh, what do you make of it? Uh, it feels bizarre, and it feels like one of those moments where in a few years' time, people will ask you, where were you when Jacinda Ardern resigned? Uh, so it feels um, like a moment where the country is standing still. I know my phone has just gone absolutely crazy. Uh, everyone I walk past in the corridor says, have you heard? And it's either, oh, no, or great, <laughs> very polarised um, feelings. But that, I think, is a reflection of just what a historically important Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern was, that she can evoke such strong feelings. Most of them, I think, mournful. I think I've just in the last few minutes run into people who are quite downcast and mournful about this announcement. Uh, and then, of course, there's those handful um, who are kind of... Yeah, I think it's interesting, news. isn't it? Because I think people will second, can possibly separate out their political leanings, their political views. They may well have wanted Jacinda Ardern out, but they may also be feeling uh, a, a strange feeling because they know that she was the Prime Minister that took them through an extraordinary event in their lives in COVID-19, also the terrorist attacks, also the Fakari White Island. Um, they were extraordinary events. So people will have mixed emotions. It's a terrible saying, but it, I think they will. Mm. Mm. For, I mean, for people around my generational age, uh, certainly Jacinda Ardern has been the defining Prime Minister uh, of our lifetimes. In a way, uh, it feels like she's been the perpetual Prime Minister. It's very difficult. Uh, I've been about 30 now for people of my generation to really think of those Prime Ministers that came before and the events associated with them, because everything post-2019 has taken on such a large life, the pandemic, obviously. Uh, and Jacinda Ardern is so closely associated uh, with the response to the pandemic, with the response to all of those quite tragic uh, events that you mentioned. And I think in most people's mind, uh, and the last election was a great testament to this, uh, the majority of New Zealanders uh, backed how the Prime Minister or how Jacinda Ardern uh, approached, managed, uh, and to a large extent, solved many of those issues uh, in a way that uh, few other prime ministers in New Zealand history uh, probably have. I mean, I think few prime ministers have ever been as popular as Jacinda Ardern was in 2020. Uh, and that alone makes her uh, a historically significant figure, I think. Mm. Morgan, stay with us. Uh, we might come back to you if we can. We're going to now go to the speech that Jacinda Ardern has given announcing her resignation. 
Today I have two important announcements to make. The first is the election date. Under the last government, the practice began of sharing the election date at the beginning of election year. Early announcements allow for planning and for preparation by the Electoral Commission, by government agencies and political parties, and is, I believe, best practice. That's why in 2020, we announced at the beginning of election year, and I do so again today. The general election for 2023 will be held on Saturday, the 14th of October. I can see in the room who has won the sweepstake. In setting this date, I've considered the advice of the Electoral Commission, public holidays and school holidays, the advanced voting periods, and important events and fixtures. I believe this date best accommodates each of these factors. Consideration of the date over the summer and the impending election and new political term has also given me time for reflection. I'm entering now my sixth year in office, and for each of these years I have given my absolute all. I believe that leading a country is the most privileged job anyone could ever have, but also one of the more challenging. You cannot and should not do it unless you have a full tank, plus a bit in reserve for those unexpected challenges. This summer I had hoped to find a way to prepare not just for another year, but another term, because that is what this year requires. I have not been able to do that. And so today I'm announcing that I will not be seeking re-election. And that my term as Prime Minister will conclude no later than the 7th of February. This has been the most fulfilling five and a half years of my life, but it has also had its challenges. Amongst an agenda focused on housing, child poverty and climate change, we encountered a major biosecurity incursion, a domestic terror event, a major natural disaster, a global pandemic and an economic crisis. The decisions that have had to be made have been continual and they have been waiting. But I'm not leaving because it was hard. Had that been the case, I probably would have departed two months into the job. I am leaving because with such a privileged role comes responsibility. The responsibility to know when you are the right person to lead and also when you are not. I know what this job takes, and I know that I no longer have enough in the tank to do it justice. It's that simple. But I absolutely believe and know there are others around me who do. We've achieved a huge amount in the last five years, and I'm so proud of that. We are in a fundamentally different place on climate change than where we were, with ambitious targets and a plan to achieve them. We have turned around child poverty statistics and made the most significant increases in welfare and the state housing stock that we've seen in many decades. We've made it easier to access education and training. We've improved the paying conditions of workers and shifted our settings towards a high-wage, high-skilled economy. And we worked hard to make progress on issues around our national identity and I believe that teaching history in schools and celebrating our own Indigenous national holiday will all make a difference for years to come. And we've done that while responding to some of the biggest threats to the health and economic well-being of our nation, arguably, since World War II. The team that has done all of that, they have been some of the best people I've ever had the privilege of working with. And they are well-placed to take us forward as we continue to focus on our economic recovery with one of the strongest economies in the world. They are also a team who are incredibly well placed to contest the next election. In fact, I am not leaving because I believe we can't win the election, but because I believe we can and will. And we need a fresh set of shoulders for that challenge. 
I know there will be much discussion in the aftermath of this decision as to what the so-called real reason was. I can tell you that what I'm sharing today is it. The only interesting angle that you will find is that after going on six years of some big challenges, I am human. Politicians are human. We give all that we can for as long as we can, and then it's time. And for me, it's time. I intend to remain the member for Mount Albert through till April. This will give me a bit of time in the electorate before I depart and also spare them and the country a by-election. Beyond that, I have no plan, no next steps. All I know is that whatever I do, I will try and find ways to keep working for New Zealand. And that I'm looking forward to spending time with my family once again. Arguably, they're the ones that have sacrificed the most out of all of us. And so to Neve, Mum is looking forward to being there when you start school this year. And to Clark, let's finally get married. As for the next Labour leader, the caucus has seven days to ascertain whether one individual holds more than two-thirds of the caucus support. Caucus has agreed today that a vote will occur in three days' time, on Sunday, the 22nd of January. If the leader is successfully elected, I will issue my resignation soon after to the Governor-General and a new Prime Minister will be sworn in. If no one is able to garner this level of support within caucus, the leadership contest will go to the wider membership. My opportunity to thank the many people I need to will likely come in April when I depart Parliament, 15 years after having been sworn in. Till then, I see my role to help the Labour Party, who I consider to be my family, navigate this next phase, and then to leave the next colleague who takes on this role all the space they need to make their mark. For my part, I want to finish with a simple thank you to New Zealanders for giving me this opportunity to serve and to take on what has and will always be the greatest role of my life. I hope in return I leave behind a belief that you can be kind but strong, empathetic but decisive, optimistic but focused, that you can be your own kind of leader, one that knows when it's time to go. And that was the Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern with her speech announcing that she will or is preparing to resign once the Labour Party has found a new leader, a new Prime Minister. There will be a vote in three days' time. If that cannot find a leader, then it would go out to the wider party for a more extended contest. So Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern will leave office, though, by uh, February 7th. So there will be a new Prime Minister in New Zealand by February 8th. Pretty extraordinary news this morning. Now, we were speaking earlier to Morgan Godfrey uh, from Otago University. He's still on the line. Morgan, uh, clearly a big emotional speech there. We heard the Prime Minister stress there was no secret reason for her resigning other than she was human and there was nothing left in the tank. Exactly, exactly. Uh, I mean, she mentioned the best reason that she needs to step down, and that was Neve saying uh, or addressing Neve directly to say that uh, mum will be there when you start school. And then, of course, uh, addressing uh, her partner, of course, as well, uh, and saying that they can finally get married. And those personal reasons uh, are, I think, all that you need to justify stepping down from a role uh, that takes your personal life from you. I mean, in a sense, uh, Jacinda Ardern is something of a machine to be able to be uh, a historically important prime minister who has faced uh, so many major issues uh, and so many different tragedies in the last five years, uh, whilst also along with um, along with her family raising her daughter. Uh, and that is an incredible achievement. But I think every New Zealander uh, would understand that you get to a point uh, where you probably have to pick. Uh, and if she's picking her family, then I think everyone uh, can understand all power to her. And if you get to the point where uh, you feel as if you've achieved everything you could possibly achieve in government, and she listed 
uh, some of those achievements are lifting benefits uh, back to where they were before the mother of, mother of all budgets, uh, building tens of thousands of state homes. Uh, these are things that any Prime Minister, whether you were Jacinda Ardern or uh, John Key or Bill English or Helen Clark, uh, any Prime Minister could be uh, exceptionally proud of those things that have happened in the last five years. Morgan, thanks very much uh, for your comments this afternoon. Uh, I think we'll go back to our Deputy Political Editor, Craig McCulloch. Craig, uh, just getting some more details coming through now of how this vote will work. Talk us through what we know about how the next New Zealand Prime Minister will be selected. Absolutely. So we know that there will be a meeting of the Labour caucus this Sunday. Um, They they will uh, have a vote at that meeting. Um, presumably one or, or more candidates will put their names forward. There needs to be a, they need to meet that two-third threshold. So basically any candidate must get at least two-thirds support from that caucus in order to become leader. That We know again that caucus vote uh, will occur in three days on 22nd of January. Now if there is not a two-third support within caucus for any one individual, individual, excuse me, the leadership contest will then go out to the wider Labour membership. Now, that's still, even if that does happen, that could still be constrained to a relatively short time frame, um, which would mean that the Prime Minister could still uh, resign as she intends to no later than the 7th of February. That is the plan at the moment. Um, There are still a lot of factors at play, uh, namely how many um, people will put their names forward and, and whether or not they are able to to um, c- collect that level of support um, from within the mm. caucus. And do you think, I mean, the, the, the significant factor here is, is that Grant Robertson, who is their most experienced, uh, you know, a, a crucial figure to the, this government, is not going to run for the leadership, but his, presumably, his support would be significant for any candidate that was. Will, do you think that people will be openly backing people? Or is it going to be more an internal thing? I mean, the fact that there's only this three-day period really does constrain the ability for for any like public um, campaigning and the like, and it doesn't really need to be because it you only need, they only need to convince their colleagues, right? They don't need to convince the membership yet. They don't need to convince the public. They just need to get their colleagues on side. There will be a number of phone calls going on over the the, the coming days. I mean, con- conveniently, the entire caucus is gathered in Napier at the moment, and so can be having a lot of these conversations openly Did they and know, Craig? Another. Do you think they knew? Are they shell-shocked? Uh, I, I haven't heard yet, and I'm not aware as to um, how much they have been kept into the loop. Um, I do know that there has been a great deal of secrecy kept around this. Staff that staff members of staff that I spoke to um, yesterday didn't know what the announcement was going to be, um, and so it, it has been kept very close. I suspect that members found out today, um, and. Uh, MPs found out today um, at the caucus meeting, so they will be feeling um, a little bit shell-shocked by this, a, a lot shell-shocked by this. Uh, our, our, MP, our reporters, Giles Dexter and Katie Scotch, are on the ground there in Napier and will be collecting mm. um, a, a, you know, audio from them and feeding that back into um, to look, our listeners throughout the day. Hearing that. Craig, thank you very much for that. Deputy Political Editor Craig McCulloch, there will be a checkpoint special tonight at 5... Uh, PM, a guy in Espina uh, and possibly himself involved. Uh, we will bring you all the latest on this uh, pretty remarkable political day in New Zealand history here with the Prime Minister announcing she will, uh, her last day will be February the 7th. Uh, we're going to talk now to one of her political opponents. The ACT Party leader David Seymour has kindly agreed to join us. Uh, good afternoon, David. Good afternoon, Karen. How are you? Very well. This is a real shock to the political system, no matter what side of the spectrum you are on or side of the political spectrum you're on, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And no doubt uh, people will search for all sorts of explanations and there'll be all sorts of theories of varying plausibility. But um, I think you have to take people at her word, uh, at their word. Um, She's human. She's given a lot. She's been an MP for 15 years. She's been Prime Minister for over five years. And um, I, I can understand her wanting to say, look, I've, I've done my bit um, and I've, I've got other parts of myself as a human that I also uh, believe deserve my attention and, and good on her for that. Are you surprised that Grant Robertson is not going to run for it? Yeah, I am. And I'm sure people will, will also speculate about that. Um, you know, Grant is certainly the most experienced and, and, and capable uh, person that they have, I would have thought. 
um, besides uh, Jacinda. But there, clearly there's um, you know, machinations within his mind or within the Labour caucus that uh, I'd be the last person to find out about, I suspect. It has become, it is a pretty difficult political environment. Politics is always difficult, but there's no question that, uh, that because, you know, and you could argue about it whether it was COVID that has helped create an environment that is, can be pretty toxic out, out there. Do you think that has contributed to her decision to go early? Well, I think the most important data in, in any political system, or democracies at least, is whether people think the country is going in the right direction or the wrong direction. Very simple question asked all around the world. Uh, New Zealand has been an outlier in the English-speaking world for most of the last 20 years for being positive on, on that measure. Um, in, in many polls, and obviously everyone's got their favourite poll, but many, if not most polls, have been inexorably downward on that measure for the last 18 months, and most of them have been consistently registering mm. a, a negative net figure. I, I think that is going to weigh. And that was similar for John Key, wasn't it? He kind of sort of saw his popular personal ratings falling a little bit, I think, and he, he wasn't that comfortable with that. He wanted to go out a win, and you can understand that. I wonder, though, I mean, there would have been some commentators would argue that she was still the biggest asset come the election campaign to try and get Labour across the line. I mean, from a party on the right, you must see this as a big opportunity opening up now because you will be having an inexperienced, well, a, a new Prime Minister in the job. Uh, look, a lot of people focus on politicians and positions. I, I always try to focus on people and policies. And the view I have is that uh, the concerns and aspirations of New Zealanders uh, around the economy and the cost of living, around crime and lawlessness and around having some clarity on what the treaty means in the modern context. Those are the issues that New Zealand, as a people, uh, need to resolve this year and in years going forth. I think sometimes people overrate uh, the contestants in the election vis-à-vis uh, the challenges. Mm. So you're face. looking so more we'll, at we'll the direction, the direction, so say, you know, if you look at some of the names that are coming forward, the like of My- Michael Wood, uh, you've got Megan Woods, uh, Kitty Allen, uh, there are other names too. I mean, maybe Andrew Little wants to make a comeback. He, he's obviously been a leader. I mean, do you have any any sense of where it might go? No, I, I don't. I'd, I'd just be speculating without information. All I say is that I, I know all of the above-named people, and they all have strengths. And I think uh, there'll be people on the right who, you know, saying, well, this is a home and hose, and this is going to be simple now. And I don't believe that for a moment because they're, they're all competent people. They're all well-meaning people. They will all enter the arena without some of the negatives that have dragged down Labour in recent times, or at least they'll be able to try and make a, a clean break mm. David, uh, And we will have to work hard to win people's support next year, this year. David, thank you very much. Really appreciate your time this afternoon. So just, uh, it was David Seymour, just reiterating the breaking news. The Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern announced her well, her pending resignation uh, at 2 o'clock today. She's going to leave the position no later than February the 7th. There's a bit of a process to go through to get there, whereby Labour will choose a new leader, possibly on Sunday, if it's a clear vote. Two-thirds is needed in caucus.